Welcome to Resilience, Voices in Cybersecurity. The cyber threat landscape is constantly evolving and attackers' capabilities are growing in variety, volume and sophistication. This podcast will be your window into the latest strategies and trends on how to ensure your cyber resilience. I'm Jonathan Lipschitz, Director of Client Leadership at Signia, a leading cybersecurity consulting and incident response company. Each episode, I'll be joined by a thought leader in the cyber sector, sharing their insights, thoughts, and experiences. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the very first episode of Resilience, Voices in Cybersecurity. Joining me today is my colleague, mentor, and friend, Joe Habak. Joe is the Managing Director of Istari EMEA and a board member at Signia. Joe and I, in our daily lives, meet many cybersecurity experts, and we discuss various topics and we have discussions with many different people from many different locations across the world, across many verticals. Joe, what are you seeing are the emerging trends from the different security executives which you interact with on a daily basis? And how do you think those trends are going to uh, affect or shape the industry's future? Well, um, thank you for having me, Jonathan, and uh, uh, great to see you today. Um, really appreciate uh, being on this podcast. I guess in terms of the emerging trends um, that we're seeing in the client environment, um, first thing I'd say is that, that this this thing we've talked about for many years about you know business led cybersecurity and the connection with the business is is becoming ever more real. Um, I see the security professionals in major enterprises actually properly getting closer to their boards, getting good guidance from their leadership and being engaged much more closely with the business about setting priorities. So I think that's a big element of the 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 the, 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 the current trends and uh, the current challenge for security teams to to understand what that new proximity to the business means and how it changes their work. Um, we can talk more about that. It, as you wish. I mean, another big trend I see is um, this whole topic of resilience coming to maturity now. Um, people who have lost production, they've lost, you know, business operations due to cyber attacks. Um, it, it's there's now very much a focus not just on how do I secure my business, but how do I make it resilient uh, in the face of these attacks? So resilience is a big thing. The last thing I'd say is. With the macro shift away from, let's say, globalization and integration of supply chains to more segmentation in both politics and and business, there's a change in the in the the trust landscape, and this is starting to affect how security operations need to be executed, and how companies think about how they work internationally, whether that's related to data security. Or, or, or national security considerations. So, I think those are the, those are the big things I see: business proximity, um, this uh, resilience focus, and then uh, the the changing geopolitics, all, all having big effects on what clients are doing. I don't know how well that matches. I think that matches what you're seeing, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, you know, I, I noticed that uh, I recently saw Forbes article saying that in 2024 the cost 
of cyber attacks is going to be in the region. I mean, it's a staggering amount that they bring you of about ten and a half trillion dollars uh, um, within twenty twenty four. So this definitely, you know, businesses need to realize that cyber threats are out there. They're serious. They run as a business. And the prioritization, exactly what you're saying, you know, companies need to be, this needs to become a high priority of businesses, both on the individual level, right? And organizational level, as well on a governmental level. Governments also need to, to, to be aware of cyber, the cyber threat. And I think, you know, as you, you, you mentioned correctly, right, is resilience. Companies need to be resilient. And I want to delve into a little bit, what does it mean to be resilient? What is the difference between you know, a company being saying, we've, we've got a cybersecurity organization, we're secure, versus a company that says we're a resilient company. The definition of resilience, uh, you, we can talk about the theory about how rapidly you bounce back from an attack uh, and recover your operations. But that, but, you know, that's the sort of cold hard theory that the reality of resilience is, um, I, I'm thinking of a client who is in a uh, in the consumer goods business, they have production around the world and um, one of their factories was hit and they lost production. And And resilience in that organization was about how the people reacted and how the people understood how to respond to this situation, how they maintained a sort of calm and disciplined approach to decision-making, to recovering their operations. Now they'd done the standard things around having backup systems in place and having stock and and having connections and communication plans. But there's always a curveball in a cyber attack. There's always something you haven't expected. And I think, to my mind, the thing that is is core in resilience is, is how the humans respond when something different happens. You can have procedures and technology prepared, but real resilience is about how, the, how people make decisions in uh, when they're under, a, you know, a complex and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, unclear situation. And I think that's actually what I find fascinating about cyber is, you know, businesses suffer many forms of crises, but cyber is particularly unique in, in how opaque and how, how you can really lack clarity on what's going on. And for executives, that that's probably the biggest challenge is, evaluating and understanding the, the, let's call it the digital risk landscape they're now in. So I think that's, to my mind, the real resilience comes when the people know what to do and the people know, or they, or they know how to react, let's say. And that's where I think it's extremely important for organizations to have a incident response partner who not only can help with them with, so for example, the investigation, the the DFRR, the digital forensic side of things, you know, that's, that's given. You need somebody, and a lot of companies are doing that in-house, or they're outsourcing to, to, to various uh, incident response companies. But to get really true resilience, one needs to have somebody that can guide you through from the executive management of a cyber incident. What do executives do? How do they speak to... How do they speak to the media? How do they speak to the legal system? When do they bring legal? How do they speak to regulatory bodies? When do they speak to? How do they speak to clients? How do they communicate out there and right through it? How to communicate with their staff and how to guard their staff through an incident? And although many leaders feel, you know, it doesn't sound so difficult, you both, you and I know, when the chips are down during an cyber attack, it is difficult. It's it's chaos. It's crazy. 
There's a lot of decisions to be made in a very short space of time. And generally, you get panic. And this is where true resilience, I agree with you, comes in, is where the organization knows we've got an incident, we're under attack, we've got an issue. How do we come out of this? How do we come out of this in one piece? How do we come up with a business standing at the end of the day with our reputation intact? And I think that's that's that that's that that's to me that's what you call as you said that's a resilient organisation. It's it's not just about controlling. Yes, I've got the controls in place. I've got the the nuts and I've got the bolts on the windows and the doors. But okay, you know what 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 will happen if I am attacked and how will I come out of that on the other side without being scathed? Well, and the um, it reminds me of another story of um, at your different client where. They suffered a major cyber attack and um, it, it, all systems were down. They couldn't access anything. And um, it, it took them a number of days to get back up online and, and, and get their business back. And, and we went and interviewed him in the academy, in the Asari Academy, as you mentioned. Um, and, and we spoke to him confidentially about their, their experience. And the CEO, you know, big, powerful person, strong character, the kind of person you'd sort of see on, uh, you know, TV lauded as a, a global leader of enterprise and clearly a confident person with great skills. The, behind closed doors, this person admitted it was the most terrifying experience of their career, and they were, they were literally, they felt very alone, and they felt very vulnerable, and it, it's quite interesting how quickly that can happen to even, you know, the the giants of industry, let's say. So I, I think that that. You're absolutely right. It's how how can you get work through an incident? How can you have the people around you that can support you? How can you do the work beforehand to make sure you're you're going to respond in the right way? Because it it what it hits on an emotional level. Correct, correct. And you know there's that that uh, cartoon that floats around that we've all seen. You know, with the C-suite lying in bed and, and you know the ceo is normally in bed and the cfo is half awake but you see that the CISO, the security guy is not in bed at all uh because he is is, is worried about it being attacked and when that attack actually happens right mm. the the stress and the emotional toll on the particular CISO is is, is massive when that actually mm. happens and, and and we've seen it and unfortunately today CISOs are landing themselves in court and, and we've seen on some court cases where they've ruled against the CISO or ruled against the organization. Um, and it's putting additional pressure on the CISOs. The CISOs tend to today, what I've seen, is really close down and they start to implement the most, I wouldn't use the word, I don't want to use the word heinous, but strict security controls within the organization. And the initial pushback from the organization is, guys, we can't work like this. Our productivity is down. We have a business strategy to lead. We need. We've got margins. We need to be worried about. We've got profit. We are. We are focusing on. And the CISO says, "Listen, I, I, I want to be able to sleep at night. I don't want to land up in court. I don't want to land up in the SEC or, or, or what other regulators. You know, what are you seeing? You know, what what are CISOs and 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 SARP executives saying? How do we get that balance right between, you know, having good security, not not getting into trouble." And be able to execute our business strategy. So I think uh, there's a couple of things that things in there, but I'd actually counsel the the CISOs in my network and anyone I'd come across that 
there's an alternative way of thinking about this increased pressure that you may end up in court, you're being held legally liable and accountable. It actually can help the CISO that regulation is becoming clearer and the environment is becoming you know, stricter in terms of what enterprises need to do. I would encourage CISOs actually rather than you know, fighting that, embrace it and say, okay, well, look, it's now becoming a legal requirement of these things happen, clarifying responsibilities. It's obvious that I as an individual cannot bear the whole burden of the security and resilience of the company. So I actually see the the increasing regulation and, and those requirements as an opportunity for the CISOs to help integrate cybersecurity resilience into the, the business risk management, into the executive ownership. Um, and I would counsel them to look at it that way rather than railing against it, because I think that's that's when you you actually, it, it's a bit like the health and safety revolution that happened in industry over the last 30 years, that at first it was restrictive and difficult and so on and so forth, and the health and safety manager felt very stressed. But now it's an integrated part of running any big industry, and the chief execs of any companies with manufacturing, they, they care just as much about the health and safety as their employees uh, as, as, the, as the HSE director does. So I, I'd actually counsel CISOs to think of this as, as, a, as a drive by society and the regulators to, to actually take cyber security and resilience more seriously. Um, so I think I'd go counter to some of the you know, pervading narrative in the media that, that this is a, a great big issue. It's actually a great big opportunity. John, I, I love that. I, re, I, re, I really love that, that analogy and I, I, I love what you're saying because you know, I think the minute we start to take cyber uh, security as a business enabler and move, break down the walls between business and strategy and see it as a big partnership and look at other areas, as you say, to safety, health and safety, how they've been able to to bring the two together. This is something really, I think, that that that, uh, that could benefit the uh, cybersecurity industry massively and, and industry in general. I, I really, that, that's a very, very interesting point you, you've raised. I'm going to use this opportunity to... to to do a little bounce. Um, we spoke about, you know, trends and in cyber, but one of the trends that's that's floating around the digital world is AR, generative AR. Everybody has played with Chat GBT. And yeah. personally, um, I use it because I use it because I spell terribly. So <laughs> I always go into Chat GBT and say, please just check my spelling and grammar. And yeah. for me it's really saved me a lot of time. You know, I know that when I'm sending out a document on email, the spelling and the grammar is very, very good because I've, I've run it through. I obviously, I write the content myself, et cetera, et cetera, but I use it to check. However, we know that in the development world, um, there are co-pilots. I, I, come back, I come from a software development background many, many years ago. And if I had a co-pilot that could help me generate code and, and, and do things faster for me, Fantastic. We used to have bunches of libraries. And Joe, you also, you, you come from the electrical engineering background and building PLCs and factories, etc. It was great to have a code repository. Now you don't need your own code repository. ChatGPT, write me this piece of code. Mm -hmm. I know there's a, another side to it. And what's the other side? We can have an attacker co-pilot. All right. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing in terms of AI and cyber? What, what, what are executives out there saying? I, I think that the macro situation in AI is is one of 
trying to find the wood for the trees. You know, it's um, people are scrambling to understand what's really changed and, and trying to put a finger on, you know, what, what's what's changed in my digital risk landscape, as I mentioned earlier, with the arrival of, of AI in, in more into the mainstream consciousness, at least. I mean, we, we know that there's been machine learning and advanced analytics for many years, but this is the, the fact it's now out there and being adopted by so many employees and, and people in society, it, it's really it, it exploded. So I think the main thing is people scrambling to understand. Now, I think the specific things that I see are AI is a great opportunity to improve security operations by automating simple tasks. So I do think there's an opportunity with AI to improve security because I already see you guys in Signia and other guys in you know in in other investments we've made they're they're starting to use AI to to automate boring processes processes that analysts just got sick of doing. So I think there's opportunity, but clearly you know there's the threat and the very obvious one is around deep fakes and just how do I understand what's real and what's not? It's it, it that that for me is probably I, I, I find it interesting trying to figure out how we're going to know who's who, how we're going to know what's real, uh, or how do we know yes. who's who, and how do we know what's real? Because that that I think is is a real that's a new or a strengthening of the ability in the attackers to to spoof, and and I think that's probably the, the one of the most interesting areas to look at in terms of how do we counter what the attackers are doing. Hundred percent. I think you're talking about here definitely is using AI as a weapon, as you mentioned. If one wanted to do business comp- email compromise a few months ago, year ago, mm-hmm. you would send an email that came from your, you know, financial director mm-hmm. to one of the yeah. accountants. And, yeah. yeah, and 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 send X amount of money urgently, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Today, it's a it's a phone call. It's a voicemail, and it sounds like they can't, you know, the CFO, etc. So, how do you tell the difference? This is this is really, really scary, really scary. As well as you know, there's also the other side of the AI, which is using the vector, the AI as an attack vector. Meaning, you know, there's an AI model that we'll all use, want to use in our business. We want to be able to automate, as you you mentioned, automate those boring tasks. But at the same time, that's an opportunity for attackers to utilize that vector to, to attack organizations. So I think, you know, we, we have to look at it from both ways. In, in, in organizations, we have to really understand AI is fantastic. I think it's going to make a big difference in many organizations, but there's definitely the vector that attackers can use as a path to an attack, as well as to, as weaponizing AI itself. So I think we, 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 we've got, we, we're going to keep an eye on the space and I think there are going to be some very interesting developments. Uh, and going forward, I mean, we at Signia have, have as you mentioned, and, and Joe is a board, I went as a board member at Signia, um, and a very active board member that it is, as it is. We've played, we've played with taking the guardrails of ChatGBT and saying, right, you're now an attacker. You know, mm-hmm. what can you do? What can you do for us? Do some reconnaissance. And I have to tell you, it's fantastic. If mm-hmm. you know, from an attacker perspective, this is very scary. So this is something, you know, we have to look at and regulation is going to have to look at. And, uh, you know, businesses and cyber, we're not saying hide away from it, but there's something to really definitely things to speak about. Well, then it's um, and- on a human level, right? I, uh, 
I feel a bit sad that I'm sort of old and now in management. I'd rather be young and be playing with it and and doing the coding and doing the development of AI solutions instead of yeah. sort of pushing money around. It's uh, I think it's an absolutely fascinating time, and I think you know if the if you've got the headspace to get into or your your career is such that you could focus on it, it it's absolutely fascinating. I use it to write, you know, birthday speeches for my wife, but uh, that's about as far as I've caught. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I agree. If I was if I was starting off my career or in the software development uh, side, I would mm. fascinate and want to run into that. It's a good idea with the with the business speeches. There with the birthday speeches. <laughs> yeah, bad idea. <laughs> <It's really well. laughs> I'm always in I'm always in trouble with my wife and her birthday. So anyway, <laughs> you got my back here, Joe. That's great. <laughs> yeah. You and I have worked on a number of large programs, cyber programs together. And mm. we won't mention the names of the companies because we do very, very uh, sensitive work with very large organizations. And we don't, even within our offices and when we talk together and email, we, we do not discuss the names of our clients. We've got ways of dealing with it. However... We worked on some large, very large, multi-year cyber programs. And then, you know, we have uh, in my work, at, you know, with Insignia as a consultant on the, both the reactive and the proactive side of cyber, and, and you know, on your consulting side and consulting experience within Vistari, uh, as well as your experience at McKinsey. You know, what do you feel that companies should do? Should companies be focusing, and a lot of companies are doing, I'm just having, I need a pen test because this is what someone's told me. I need to pen test. I need to tick that off at, at my, um, auditors need pen testing or my auditors need red teaming or I need to have something in place. So a once-off something versus having a multi-year program to, to implement and to try to protect the, the the organization. What do you think brings better resilience and better cybersecurity for organizations? Well, on on reflection, I think <laughs> the analogy here I would I would draw on is if 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 your cyber resilience and, and development program, you, you're trying to accelerate as fast as you can and you want to really strengthen your company. If the analogy is taking a nice big meal. And, 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 you know, filling yourself up with energy. I think you, it's much better to go for tapas than one massive steak. And, and I think that the, yeah. the point I'd, I'd like to make is many small dishes with variety that build up a program rather than one big push for one thing uh, seems to be more successful in, in what I've seen with clients is you have to be able to to go where the latest thing is and and work on you know whether it's working in in applications or working in supply chain or working on infrastructure or cloud whatever you you have to build a program that has a mix of everything in it trying to go for you know one big push and we'll go you know company by company and do exactly the same thing it it ends up being very difficult for organizations to swallow and so that's why I, I adopt that analogy and say, you know, a bunch of smaller dishes that put together to make a delicious meal rather than just one big push of, you know, and a big slogan. Uh, so I think agility, I think flex and uh, agility and variation and, and actually pivoting to where you find the risk. Because, you know, if you design a three-year improvement program, 
I guarantee in six months, 12 months, the environment would have shifted. Companies are digitalizing so quickly. So it's it's more about building the journey than, than necessarily defining exactly uh, the, the path at the outset. So tapas not steak. Yeah, and I, I, that's it. <laughs> tapas not steak. Tasters menu versus you know a yeah. big meal. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I, yeah. I I I I agree with you one hundred percent. I think first of all, many organisations don't even know what they need to protect. So that's the first thing. What What are your risks? Understand the risks. And what What are the risks that are important to the organisation? What are the risks that are not important to the organisation? Once you define that, there's always low-lying fruit, which you can quickly and efficiently, within a short space of time, review, address, close, and move to the next. And if you are doing that in a variety of areas, you're doing a little bit of having a look at your posture, your cyber posture, doing some training with uh, you know with with your cyber team to improve their skills, red teaming or purple teaming, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's all. We find a lot that cybersecurity professionals within organizations, I'm talking about the technical side, are generally years behind the trend because they're not on the forefront. You know, like at Signia and Story, we're looking for the latest, the greatest, and our people are always on the, the front end. But mm. in companies, they're not. And to try, these people need training and they need help and they need help with their threat tactics. So, yes, I agree. A full a smorgasbord or, uh, yeah. you know, Tasting menu, was rather of different things within an organization throughout on a multi-year process will dramatically, dramatically improve the resilience of any organization. So we agree, and you and I have seen on program that works well, and we've seen programs that this uh, doing it uh, in a massive to fill too quickly hasn't Yes, correct. Correct, and it it it, it 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 doesn't really work. Moving on, you know, once talking about organisations being secure, being resilient, you know, at Signia and and, and many cyber organisations, the first thing I always tell CISOs and 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 uh, cyber executives is never rest on your laurels. A cyber attack will happen, okay? It's going to happen. It's inevitable. The trick is, is how quickly can you detect it and prevent it? from becoming anything serious, becoming something that can ruin your reputation and hit your bank account. What should organizations do to better prepare for cyber resilience? The first thing is to, to, to clearly recognize it's a priority. Um, and, and from the top down, have leadership who um, realize the, the risks they face uh, and 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 put the right level of prioritization around it. So I think that's the first thing is recognize it. The second thing to prepare for resilience is to, to involve the whole organization. It's not just an IT problem. It's not just a, a security problem. It's a problem for the business. And when you've got that environment in place, then uh, you, you need to start inspecting your capacity. You need to test. You need to practice. It's like sports. The, the more you practice, the better you'll get. So you need to you need to make sure that you've you've run your programs, you've got your partners lined up, you know what you're going to do with backups, you know how you're going to respond, and and develop that muscle memory. You know, get involved in war games, get involved in uh, engaging with your sector, uh, get involved with with other partners, and and test your ability to recover. 
and test your ability to be resilient. It, it can actually be, you know, a, a really useful uh, and um, uh, quite enlightening exercise. The interesting thing I've seen is that um, in, in for many executives, when you when you do these uh, war games or, or instant response planning type exercises, the executives often actually learn other things about their business beyond just the cybersecurity and resilience. It creates real clarity for them on on what is it that is you know core to my value stream nowadays. My company's undergone a digital transformation underneath my nose. And all of a sudden, I'm now reliant on six random suppliers that I had no idea were so critical to the, the operations of my company, which would have been very different in the analog days. So I think engage, exercise, bring in people who've done it before, um, and, and, and that will help uh, you, you have that resilience. That's what I've seen. Definitely. And I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think also organizations have cyber you know security teams within the organization or people that are interested in 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 pivoting from it into cyber and organizations should really look at training because there's a big shortage of skill within the market mm. and if organizations are able to train their teams and upskill them and keep them motivated and interested um that really makes a big difference in organization cyber resilience is a big problem and again get cyber people into the boardroom it doesn't help to have it as you said it's a business problem it's not an rt problem it's a business problem and affects the whole business from you know human resources to legal to business to operations etc etc it affects everybody and uh, businesses need to to be aware of this uh, executives need to be aware of ceos chairmen's Cyber must be spoken about in the boardroom and on a regular basis, uh, understanding the risks and how to mitigate it. I wouldn't, wouldn't agree with you more. Well, and and if I may, I'll add a bit. Um, explode the myths. You know, the, the, people don't need to think that cyber is this incredibly complicated thing that you can never understand. It's actually, at, at its heart, it's about finding faults in systems. It's about finding faults in processes. And, and leveraging them for the attacker's advantage. And I really would encourage, uh, you know, non-cyber folk to engage on the topic because the, the moment that somebody from cyber says, oh, this is too complicated, you wouldn't understand, you, you need to go and find someone else to talk to because it, 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 mythology isn't helping anybody. We've got to uh, open up the topic and get the company engaged to create resilience and not be, not, not, not make it seem more complicated than it really is. Correct. In those days of cyber executives saying no, 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 no to business, we can't do it because it's too risky, are over. Again, be a business enabler. Understand? Yeah. Business push. Push the cyber, the, the executive, the cyber people, push them and ask the questions why and how to make it work, not enable of the business and not, a, not an inhibitor of the business. What's next? What's the next big thing in, in, in cyber? What's the next big frontier, Joe? What do you think? Well, I think there's there's big frontiers out there that we've just got to get through, um, such as increasing reg regulation and um, how to cope with uh, NIS2 and DORA and uh, EU Cyber Act, etc. Um, so I think that is something that the companies are really uh, spooling up to and, and figuring out. 
I think next big things in terms of sort of more, you know, what I'd call more fun stuff. Um, it's about using the machines to to better monitor security controls and using more intelligent technology to understand the, the, the sort of continuous controls posture of a company. I think there's a, a big frontier around encryption and what we're going to do to change when when as quantum computing comes online. Um, and I think there's a big knotty problem, as I mentioned earlier, around the, the segmentation of global economy uh, and supply chains. And, and that's actually creating some really interesting dilemmas for companies about trust and, and how you organize as a, as a multinational uh, across countries, uh, between, across borders, where the remits for a security team will go, how you can organize security, taking into account different national requirements uh, and, and boundaries and, and supply chains. And I do think that's the next sort of wicked problem, as they say, is, is how are we going to have a secure and resilient company operating across different, you know, more segmented environments. Um, it may well create some resilience, but uh, I think there'll be challenges with with dealing with different parties. Uh, and I think that that's you know the politics is getting closer to the security. Yes, and uh, we see we're seeing that a lot. You know, we're seeing that the US has come out with you know their regulation, their cyber regulations, which. Which you know making people on the SEC a little bit nervous, you know the European Union is, is pushing forward with NIS two, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We're seeing France has got their own certifications that they're acquiring, um, and, and you know where to from here. It could be very difficult, especially you know you and our uh, work across borders, and uh, it, it's getting tricky. It's getting very tricky. The UK is going to press other certifications required, so there is going to have to be some sort of coming together some sort of uh, cross-border globalization. You know, security needs to be globalized and there's lo- is the localization side of it. But this is, yes, this is, this is going to be, this is going to definitely be a very big challenge. I think another big challenge that we're going to see in, in organizations is, you know, cyber attacks used to, on business, used to, or, you know, in the past originated from, Activists, script kiddies, and then you know, came along the ransomware as a service uh, characters and real threat actors. But today, we're also seeing a lot of signal of government to business attack. Right? Really? So this is where a government, a nation state, is starting to, to to look at governments. And we dealt with this at Signia in December. Um, the client who was attacked by a nation state. Uh, luckily, we was caught in time, caught early, and and it was the damage was minimal. But you know, this is taking things up a level. And companies need to understand that there's thousands of cybersecurity pro- pro- programs out there. If you look at the ecosystem of cybersecurity, you know, a lot of people companies put out that map. It's crazy. There's thousands of companies. And people, companies tend to buy and buy and buy and buy and buy. And I think in 2024, companies need to start saying, let's optimize, let's rationalize, let's look at what we've got and make sure we've installed it correctly to stop the mm-hmm. attacks and to meet the regulation requirement. Because we're just going to add and add and add and add. We create complexity, complexity creates mess. And this is where the sophisticated attackers are waiting for. They're waiting to find that gap and they're waiting for the entrance. Yeah, it's um, Joe. That that old topic of efficacy, but we can cover that another day, uh, Jonathan. Yes. 
hundred percent. That's a long discussion. Joe, it's been fantastic, really fantastic talking to you. You and I are always in contact, but this yeah. is this has really been great. I've really enjoyed our time together. I really thank you so much for being part of the first podcast, the first resilience podcast. Hopefully, as you say, many more more topics to discuss. And really uh, looking forward to seeing you soon. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Resilience Voices in Cybersecurity. Please follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to stay updated on the latest trends and guidance in cyber defense.